Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body. Well, speaking of healthy bodies, modern lovers, are you on a sugar high? Because that may have everything to do with your moods, your health, your love life. Yes, I mean your sex life, too. Did you know that Americans consume 152 pounds of added sugar every year? And, of course, that increases our risk of obesity, diabetes, heart disease, depression, sleep disorder, and, yes, those mood disorders affect your love life. Along with gluten, dairy, sugar seems to be one of those heavily demonized food ingredients, and we need to know more about it. I say ingredient because, as a culture, we tend to throw around the phrase addicted to sugar, when in reality, we're not sitting on a couch with a five-pound bag of sugar and a spoon, but we are eating foods with a lot of sugar in them. So we're going to explore that today, help you to get healthy, and make sure that you stay healthy and sexy. So we're going to talk about how to combat and improve sugar's impact on your health. Here at Modern Love, we know that the healthier you are, the better your love life. So please check us out at www.drbrendawade.com or better still meet me in person. The second Saturday of every month we have a live full-day training right here in our Modern Love Academy in San Francisco. And we love it when we have people come in from around the world to join us to really learn about healthy love. So the next event is going to be August the 11th. Mark your calendar. You can go to Eventbrite and find out more about how to register for that event. You can do it right this minute. We always have wonderful special guests. And you can check Eventbrite or just send me an email at love, L-O-V-E, at docwade.com. It's D-O-C-W-A-D-E.com. Let's get right to our Ask Dr. Brenda question. This one says, Dear Dr. Brenda, I have a friend who's terminally ill and who's talked about her illness every step of the way. She's not talking so much now because she's taken a turn for the worse. When other people ask about her, I'm not sure what to say. I'm a private person. I would never want to talk about myself if I get sick. So I don't really want to talk about her. It feels wrong. At the same time, I know she likes keeping everybody informed. She can't talk right now. What should I do so she won't feel like I'm a gossip? Down in the dumps in Denver. Denver, you take your cue from your friend. When someone shows you who they are, believe them. She likes to keep people in the know. She's an open person. And I respect the fact that you feel like it's better for you to not talk as much. You're a different personality type. I'm willing to bet your friend, bless her, 
is very high on the extrovert scale, probably up around an eight or a nine, whereas you are probably on the introvert scale, up around an eight or a nine. So talk about her by saying, I know she would want you to know this because she's been very open. And then go ahead and give people the essential data. But I want to add something that's important from my perspective. It's better that people not go into a negative energetic tailspin. So when you give the bare minimum of facts, say, and I know your prayers, your energy, your sending light is helpful to her. So keep that positive energy flowing. All right? So let me tell you about our guest. There are so many Americans who are on detox plans to eliminate all sugar for 30 days or more. A lot of converts are saying refined sugar is bad. Some are saying it improves sleep or cures acne. There's just so many different ways of looking at sugar, but what's practical? And what are the steps you need to take if sugar is your bad habit? Well, I'm going to introduce you to our expert today, Griff Nelson who has 17 years of experience as an author, a great speaker on the topic, and an entrepreneur who has personally coached over 500 clients in health, nutrition, and mindset, critical, underline mindset, everyone. In addition to personal clients, his life-changing courses and programs have been implemented in over 10 different corporations. He's got a newly published book, Make a note, exercising your excuses. Heal your mind, honor your body, manifest your dream. He has multiple certifications as a personal trainer, coach nutritionist, bachelor's degree in exercise science from the University of Utah. You can hit him back. His website is www.grifnelson, G-R-I-F-F, Nelson. That's, excuse me, that is Nielsen, N-E-I-L-S-O-N. So welcome to the show, Griff. Glad to have you talk about this important title, very important topic. Well, thanks for having me, Dr. Brenna. It's a privilege. So, Griff, what got you interested in the whole topic of health, wellness, and and then, of course, sugar? I think the easy and the simple answer to that, Brenda, is that I've always been kind of a weird duck. And what I mean by that is I'm a little bit of a counterculturalist. If if the majority of people are walking north, I am walking south. And from an early age, I was very, uh, very health conscious, almost disturbingly so. And a lot of my friends would make fun of me, and I just knew from an early age, I'm like, well, I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy in my body, my mind, and I want to look good. I was a young boy. I wanted to look good. I wanted to attract girls. And the paradox to this is that I was also brought up in the 80s and 90s with the low-fat revolution, and I became a sugar addict myself and lived that way Mm. up until about my mid-20s. Now, when you say sugar addict, what do you mean when you say you became a sugar addict? I believe I was a sugar addict in the fact that I would consume probably 80 to 90% of my calories every day from refined sugars. And God, I what were you eating? I, well, my breakfast, for example, they looked like, uh, well, they were two waffles that looked like mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> and 
And again, it was in the low fat revolution. I would spread butter all over them. And, and literally within a breakfast, I would have anywhere from 1200 up to 2,500 calories. No problem. Not even bad enough. So were you putting syrup, jam? What were you putting on these waffles? I was trying to put syrup on it, but it was uh, precluded by all the butter on there. So I was, uh, or all, I, you can't believe it's not butter. So it was, it was a smorgasbord of sugar, and uh, and butter and just, just nastiness. Wow. <laughs> my life. Okay, so you had waffles for breakfast, giant waffles. What, what would your snacks and your lunch look like? Chocolate chip cookies, milkshakes. Uh, I was a gummy bear fan. Sour Patch Kids, you name it, Dr. Brennan. I mean, it was, I was, that's what I had. That's what I grew up having. And uh, to be honest with you, even to this day, they said that all still sounds appealing, even though I'm very health conscious now. So I, I believe that uh, once a sugar addict, always a sugar addict. You've got to be very vigilant. So there's a part of you that still has a little craving going on, is what you're saying. Absolutely. I will not wow. deny that. You know, it's interesting when you were eating all that sugar, did your parents ever say anything to you about it? They did. They did, uh-huh. but it was in the era where they thought it's okay, there's no fat in it. Uh, I remember distinctly my father saying, Griff, carbohydrate gives you energy. You need carbohydrate. So there was a lot of delusion going back in that era, and, and I followed suit. So they thought the sugar was okay as long as there wasn't fat, and they thought that the carbohydrates – and the sugar were good because it gave you energy. Absolutely. Whoa. Okay. Well, you're right. The, the research back then wasn't as good as it is now. And when did you begin to feel like this was a problem for you, that all the sugar maybe wasn't so great? There was a, an incident in my life where I was out of state for about three years, and I had really turned up, just cranked up the volume on my sugar addiction. I gained about 25, 30 pounds. And I had come back, I was in my early 20s, and I was at a pool party, and there was an attractive female that was coming my way, and I was interested in talking to her, until I looked down and looked at my abdomen. (laughs) Uh Oh, uh uh-oh. Yeah, what once was uh, six-pack abs now looked like a plump commercial pillow. Oh, no. I At that point, honestly, Dr. Brenner, that was my first aha moment where I thought, you know what, my God, something is happening where I, I my body is changing, my mind is changing, and it was so abrupt that it just kind of shook me into reality. That was kind of my, my pivotal moment. Hmm. So you, at that moment, looked down at your belly and said, this is not working for me. And I thought to myself, I'm 21 years old. I mean, how did this happen to me? Within a two-year period, I put on 25 pounds. I, I really haven't changed anything. So, yeah, my, my eyelids were peeled, and, and it kind of shook my brain. Because uh-huh. at that point, so, I, I really wasn't thinking about it. It was just Yeah, what did you do? What was the realization? That was it? Did you immediately go, oh, my God, I'm eating too much sugar? Or, or what was it that awakened you about that? You know, it was. I thought to myself, well, I can't blame it on my metabolism. I'm 21. <laughs> I can't blame it on that. So I, I, I have to look somewhere else beyond that. And honestly, it was a time of reckoning for me. And I thought, well, time to look in the mirror and look at what I'm eating. <laughs> mm. Now, did you get guidance? How did you learn about eating? Were you playing sports? Tell us a little more about 
What was happening in your life? I was in school. I was just enrolling in college, and I I didn't. I didn't seek guidance. I didn't get counseling. I am a glutton for punishment when it comes to learning. I love learning, and I thought, you know what? I am going to make this a study. I am going to find out as much as I can about the human body. I wanted to study physiology, so I enrolled in the local college here, University of Utah, and I started to get into their nutritional program. And I really was just self-taught. I, I didn't, unfortunately, get any professional help. I wish I would have. Uh, but at that time, it just came from a passion of learning and implementing one thing at a time and feeling the results of what I was learning and implementing and then mm. taking the next step. So it was a step-by-step approach with, <laughs> with very, very many relapses. Wow. So step-by-step. What was the first step? And if you were to tell any of our listeners who are wondering about whether they're a sugar addict, what's the marker? How do you know if somebody's a sugar addict or not? It's a loaded question in the fact that it exists on a continuum. Sugar addiction can be full-blown. If we're looking at it like a 1 to 10 scale, a 10 would be somebody that cannot stop thinking about sugar. Their thoughts are consumed. They're at work and they're dreaming about the ice cream as soon as they get home. They're wondering how they can take a 10-minute break to get down to the break room to get into the vending machine. This is where there's a large obsession that is abnormal that's taking place. On the opposite end of this spectrum, and this is probably where about 70% of Americans live, this is about the fours and under on the 110 spectrum. These are the people that that don't think that they have a sugar addiction. But at the end of the day, upwards of 30 and more percent of their calories come from processed refined sugars. These are the people mm. that are the grazers. They walk by the secretary's desk. There's Hershey's Kisses. Why not? I've worked hard. Uh, they're saying yes to the desserts and, and really not thinking about it. They're not trying to be unhealthy. They don't think they're unhealthy. But at the end of the day, so what, they what find, is healthy? What is healthy? Because clearly we are eating more sugar today than we were 30 years ago, right? Sure, absolutely. Now, now why is that, though? I'm just curious. Why so much more sugar today than 30 years ago? I believe there's a lot of factors that play into that, Dr. Brenda, one of which is political. If we look at uh, the Sugar Refiners Association and other organizations, they've demonized fat for the last 30 to 40 years. And they've set a precedent within the public and a viewpoint that is absolutely false, that fat is bad. And we know if it comes from a correct source that that is absolutely untrue. So there's political lobbying behind it. Uh, also, if we look at the economics, it's cheap. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's cheaper to put everywhere. sugar in food for flavors, what you're saying. Yeah, there's, okay. it's, in every, it's in every food source, even in innocuous food sources, like we wouldn't think, like ketchup. Uh, breads, all of these food sources have sugar in it. And so mm. it sells, it, it's highly profitable. So economically, it's a good idea for vendors and manufacturers. So you're saying I shouldn't have eaten possible. that fried beignet dusted with sugar that I just had about 30 minutes ago? <laughs> you know what, Dr. I mean, I'm all, I'm all about having an occasional treat. I'm, I'm all about that. I'm not going to chastise you for that. How many beignets can I have in one day? That's what I want to know. <laughs> 
The world may never know, right? <laughs> this restaurant just opened around the corner. They're giving out free beignets. Let me tell you, I couldn't wait to get in there and have my beignet. And they opened the platter, and I got a whiff of fried sugarness, and I was like, yes, give me that. Uh, now, that's on, not my typical on. fare, but it was really good. So, listen, Griff, I, I just want to drill down here. Okay. At the top of the show... I talked about one of the facts that we got our hands on, that Americans eat about 152 pounds of sugar a year. Now, is it hidden in those places you were talking about, like ketchup? Is it more likely to be the snacks we're grabbing, like my lovely beignet? What is it? Where are we getting 152 pounds of sugar? That's a lot of sugar. It is all of the above. It is certainly all the above. And a lot of it is the innocuous sources. It's the it's the breads, foods we would have never dreamed so of. Most in ragu. of it is hidden. Okay, and ragu. Yeah, all right, ragu's got you know? sugar. So we should be reading the labels for one thing. How much sugar is in there? Now, yes. what what is it? For those who aren't sure, I really want to know what is it about eating the refined sugar that is really not good for us. I think it comes down to one simple fact. Our body needs energy, and it does, the energy that our body gets does not come from simply calories. And this is a misnomer that's been perpetrated upon the public. We believe that if we just get calories, like my father said, get some carbohydrate, you know, you're going to have energy. Well, for our bodies to have energy, it also requires nutrients, and it requires nutrients that only – nature can provide in their natural quantities. And I think we've deviated from this fact so drastically. We've looked at, you know, weight loss. So you're saying the fact that that food that has refined sugar actually isn't food that's nutritional. The nutrition's been taken out if it's just pure sugar. I would take that one step further, Dr. Brennan, and say it's Uh not food, period. It's not Uh food. Now, you you can get some energy from it. But if we look at what food gives us as far as beyond just carbohydrates or proteins or fats, we also have little things called micronutrients, which is vitamins or minerals or other nutrients that comes from plants, um, of which there is 10,000 plus that have been isolated. We can't get that from a Snickers bar. We can't get those from a Dr. Pepper. My beignet yeah. didn't have any nutrients. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Okay, I just had to have my little treat. So what, what's your best advice for someone who's listening right now saying, my weight's out of control. I want to lose weight. Are all calories created equal, or does sugar make itself, well, what can I say? Does it make us fatter than other foods? All calories are not created equal, and that is one of the fallacies, again, that we have been inculcated with. Sugar has a unique effect on the body, first and foremost, by how it influences our blood sugar. Most foods, whole food sources or foods that come from nature, they don't have a dramatic, impactful consequence to our blood sugar levels. And when our blood sugar gets spiked up and down, it can create cravings, it can create further eating, not to mention it can drive fat storage much more rapidly than any other calories. Okay, so go over that again. So what happens if we eat pure sugar is it makes the blood sugar spike, 
And, of course, that sets off a chain reaction that if it keeps up over time, people can end up with pretty serious illnesses from that. I would say most of the illnesses that we see, preventable illnesses we see today, you know, as far as diabetes, type 2 diabetes, blood pressure issues, uh, cholesterol issues, insulin resistance, metabolic syndrome, all of this comes from a little-known fact that is called insulin resistance. When we have refined sugar, it raises our blood sugar, and we have another hormone that has to do something with that blood sugar. That hormone is insulin. Insulin is not meant to be elevated chronically. Unfortunately, right. we're eating the we're eating the sugar keeps pounds. us up. Now, is this is this related to what we call sugar addiction? That people can't stop themselves once they get into this pattern of eating the sugar because they want that energy rush. Or one of the things that's very important for us here, because we're talking about relationships, is that sugar can bring energy up, but then. Isn't there a sugar trough on the other side where your energy drops? You can get cranky and irritable if you don't get your dose of sugar. Absolutely. When what goes up must come down, right? Mm. <laughs> and, so for and people who are caught in that are the people who aren't so much fun to be within a relationship. Absolutely not. Uh, when when our blood sugar is unstable, it creates an unstable mind. When the body's physiology is unstable, it creates unstable hormones. Um, one so thing what that we need role, to Yeah, I'm just curious. What role does stress play in sugar addiction? Stress, it, it, that's an interesting question because a lot of the studies show that when stress is elevated, that people will naturally go towards sugar because it gives a sense of relief. It takes the mind off of the problem at hand. And that's actually an evolutionary mechanism. Our brain is actually hardwired to seek out sweetness, to seek out high-calorie, highly caloric-density foods. And when we're stressed, we want to be distracted. So stress plays an enormous role. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. So stress plays a role. Now, what are any other factors that we should be looking out for that could set us up to fall into sugar addiction? I think one of the biggest factors to look at is just our immediate environment. If we see that our environment is replete with sugar sources, you know, processed, packaged up carbohydrates, that's going to set us up for, for failure. It's going to set us up if we've got friends that are constantly taking us out to dinner you know, our environment is crucial. And if, if, we, if we can't extricate ourselves from that environment, at least most of the time, and, and create a new one, it's going to be almost impossible to, to kick sugar addiction. Wow. Okay, so what's the first step? If somebody thinks they are overusing sugar, what is the first thing they should do? The very first step is you have to become aware you absolutely have to become aware of what's happening. Nobody's going to extricate themselves from sugar addiction if they don't stop and say, okay, I'm actually consuming more sugar than I should. Now, we can find this out by tracking sugar, getting onto an app like MyFitnessPal.com or something like that and actually finding out how much we're consuming every day. And being mm. vigilant and looking you know, from sources that might be getting and making sure that we're including those as well. So okay, so we is need is to look step. at how much. Now, Griff, how much is healthy 
And how much is unhealthy? Where's the line? When do you cross that line? You know, it's interesting because they say for a male, it should be under 37 grams per day. For a female, under 25 grams per day. And we're talking refined sugar. Okay, so if your sugar is in something like an apple or it's in a smoothie, is that okay? Yeah. I mean, if it's from a natural source. All right, so you're talking about picking up a candy bar, a cookie, a piece of cake. Yes. All right. And how is there like a measure, you know, that you can say, hey, uh, a slice of cake the size of what would have how many grams in it? Can we guess that so people have some kind of visual? Yeah, think of a just yeah. It's kind of hard to put it. A, a small sliver of cake, uh, probably about two inches wide <laughs> or less, is going to give you your thirty-seven grams. Well, twenty-five grams. A little wider for a male. It's really not that much. Maybe like a, think of like a Kit Kat. For a female, that's going to be about maybe two or three of the four. They still make them in those four bars, and maybe the whole thing for a guy. So really you have to be very wise as to how much you're going to take in per day. It's really not that much if you're talking about the Kit Kat and a slice of cake, right? No, it's not at all. It's It creeps up very fast. <laughs> okay, so we should be looking. So give us the rules. We should be looking for foods that look like what? To stay away from the sugar addiction. I would say this. Any food that that you're contemplating eating, if it is a not a natural food, so if if you wouldn't pick it from your garden, if you don't get it from a tree, if it doesn't come from the ground, the sea, uh, or any of those places, alternatively if it's in a package or canned up, that's when the red flag has to come up. And if we look at it and we make it very simple, if you go out, to your garden, you're not going to see a Dr. Pepper plant. You're not going to see a Coca-Cola plant. Or, or a Kit Kat plant or a beignet yeah. plant. <laughs> no, okay, no, so we have only happen. a minute left. Griff, what, sure. what do you want to leave us with? What is your best advice? Like this is something that, you really want people to hold on to. The, the biggest thing you have to hold on to is you have to be aware and you have to take it one step at a time. Sugar addiction is a real addiction. It is as real as any other addiction that we're facing. It's, in my opinion, more serious than any other addiction that we're facing right now. If you become aware of it, you can then take one step at a time to conquer it. And it's, it's quite complicated. It can be quite complicated. There's a lot of things that go into it. But if you're aware of it, and if you seek professional advice and take one day at a time, one moment at a time, and love yourself through the process. Don't scold yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Love yourself through the process unconditionally. I believe that with time and with a little bit of tenacity, you'll get to the finish line. Yeah, and I want to recommend something. I've had a number of clients and people in our training programs over the years who were suffering from uh, weight gain, health problems, and when it came down to being able to tackle those and get off sugar, there are two programs, two of the 12-step programs, that are, that are really quite good. There's Overeaters Anonymous, and yes. Overeaters Anonymous has a sub-program connected with it that is for sugar addiction. Yes. And I have one, one of my longtime clients came in 
after losing 100 pounds and keeping it off. And we actually had her on one of our earlier podcasts, so you guys can go back and take a listen to a much earlier podcast about three or four years back on weight loss where she talks about getting over the sugar addiction and just removing sugar and losing a whole person. So that the reason I put the 12-step programs there is that you have built-in support. I believe yes. what Griff is saying is true. Sugar addiction is more dangerous than other addictions because you have to keep eating food, whereas with alcohol or cigarettes or gambling, you can go on living your life without those things. But you don't live your life without food, so you need support. So everybody, let me give you that website again. Our guest today is Griff Nielsen. He is the author of Exercising Your Excuses, Heal Your Mind, Honor Your Body, Manifest Your Dream. He's a great public speaker. You can book him for events. And you can reach him at www.griffnielsen.com. Griff, thanks so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with us. You're very welcome, Dr. Brenna. Thank you, you so bet. much. My pleasure. And coming up next week, we have Kate Siandra, I hope I'm saying it right, who's going to talk about mindfulness and your love life. All right, big thank you to LeGrand Green, our executive producer, Cliff Dunning, our associate producer. And to you, modern lovers, I look forward to seeing you at one of our upcoming live events. Follow us on social media for lots of great love advice. Blessings. You've hiked all day. 